0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: You know, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic at this moment. The vaccine rollout is improving and daily infection rates and hospitalizations are starting to decline after what was undoubtedly a very dark January. But in the middle of all this hopefulness, it can also be hard to process the enormity of loss caused by this virus. Around the world, more than two million people have now died from the coronavirus. In the United States alone, that number is approaching half a million. That's half a million lives lost. Rationally, we know this is devastating, but emotionally, those numbers can leave many people feeling detached, even numb. A few months ago, I set out to understand why it is that we can feel so removed from tragedies of this scale. And today on the podcast, I want to reshare that episode. The answer, it turns out, may have something to do with the concept psychologists call compassion fade, and an experiment that reveals some of our most surprising moral intuitions about whose lives are most worth saving. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus Fact Versus Fiction.
2: Some of the groups that people were most biased against in our experiment are also the people who are most vulnerable to the pandemic.
1: Azim Sharif is an associate professor of social psychology at the University of British Columbia. In 2016, he and some colleagues launched this experiment called the Moral Machine. They asked people around the world to play a computer game that generated a series of different moral dilemmas. In each one, there was a self-driving car that experienced a sudden brake failure. As a player, your options are to tell the car to keep going straight which might lead to hitting one set of characters, or tell the car to swerve, hitting another set. Okay, I'm about to start an experiment. The game is still Uh, online, so I decided to try it. I'm shown a picture of a self-driving car. Passengers in the car will die if they go through this intersection and swerve or they will kill a female athlete and the, the uh, passengers are walking on a no-walk sign. Gosh, can't I just hit the brakes? Oof. So in that
2: situation, you have two moral principles that are pit against each other. Is it better to save two people rather than one person? Yes. Is it better to save people who are walking legally rather than illegally? Well, also yes. But now you have to choose between the two. And so you can see the moral priority that people gave these different dimensions.
1: And and you did it with everything from pets to homeless people to um, older people, athletes, doctors, executives. Did you have an expectation, Professor, as to what you would find?
2: Yes. So obviously we expected people to preferentially save humans over pets, which they did. We expected people to save more people rather than fewer people, uh, which they did. Uh, After that, then the things started to surprise me. So, one thing which was a big demographic factor that people took into account was: well, you should spare younger people by sacrificing older people. That's a, that should be a high moral moral priority. Um, that was higher than uh, sparing people who are walking legally rather than illegally.
1: Where did old men and old women, or just elderly people in general, where where did they fall on the list? You know, again, you have. Young people, but you also have executives and doctors and athletes. How about just elderly people in general? So they they were
2: deprioritized. They were pretty close to the bottom. The very bottom was cats. Just above cats was criminals, and above criminals was dogs, and then just above dogs was elderly people.
1: Cr- <laughs> there's, there's two things about that. So human criminals were less likely to be spared than dogs.
2: Yeah, I mean... P- People love their dogs and people don't particularly like criminals. Remember that this was a stupid web game that people were playing. And so if you were to force them in a situation where they actually have to program this car in the case of a a criminal versus a dog, maybe they're not going to make the same decision. Maybe they would, but they may have been just like in the moment their heartstrings are pulled by the dog crossing the street and uh, they may have reacted instinctively To say, absolutely not, I'm not sacrificing the dog in that situation.
1: I I want to talk specifically about elderly people, because I think there's real relevance to what we're going through as a world with this pandemic. Did it matter if the person who was actually running the scenario, were they themselves elderly? Did they make the same decisions? So what we found was
2: that the older you were, the less pronounced your desire to Sacrifice the elderly to spare the young was but they still did it so Mm -hmm. it was it it, it was again across all countries and all age groups people preferentially sacrificed the elderly to spare the young but it was a smaller difference the older you
1: got you know it's, it's interesting i remember reading these studies years ago where people uh who were asked to define what is old age what What is old age? And perhaps not surprisingly, as the older you got, the older age was defined as later and later. If you were 70, you were more likely to say 80 was older. If you're a teenager, it's 60, you know? So maybe, maybe that's part of it as well. Elderly people are more at risk, but I'm not elderly. When you think about this experiment and, and your findings, what do the findings tell us about our experience in this pandemic?
2: There might be some aspect whereby the... The people for whom we have the least empathy are the people who we're tolerating dying a little more. Old, old people over young people is the big one. But we also had uh, people had a, a preference to save athletes over overweight people. People had a preference to save uh, uh, women over men. People had a preference to save uh, rich people over poor people. All of those categories uh, are the ones that are seeing a disproportionate risk factor for dying from the pandemic.
1: Do you, do you think it's translating, in terms of medical care, resources that would be allocated towards certain groups of people, does it translate, you think, um, are, are these types of feelings that you're describing into those types of policies or resource allocation?
2: Yeah, so th- people are uncomfortable with triaging in general. They don't like it when people are making these life or death decisions with scarce resources. When triaging is seen to be required, they do take into account things like prognosis, but also age. And sometimes those two things obviously get get blurred together. They probably don't explicitly say that they'll take into account socioeconomic status, how much money you have, but somehow the medical system plays out that way anyways. And so I do think that the priority that people place over other people's lives does translate across uh, domains, uh, including the medical domain.
1: You know, I do look at the the death rates, for example, in Asian countries like Japan and South Korea. And, and you know, these are countries that do tend to seemingly value the elderly more. Um, multi-generational households, uh, you know, really no such thing as retirement, for example, in Okinawa, now, I just wondered if you thought that played a role. Well, it,
2: it it does line up with the data that we saw, like those countries which showed the least preference to sacrifice the elderly were the East Asian countries and the Muslim majority countries, whereas the places where you saw the, the greatest uh, toler- tolerance for sacrificing the old to spare the young were Western countries. I don't want to draw the causal connection too tightly, but we do see... People were more compliant with mask wearing and social distancing in the East, especially in East Asia. Uh, and we did see lower death rates there. Um, the countries that we saw at the very bottom of our list for willingness to sacrifice the elderly were Taiwan, Japan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, hmm. places where the death rate's not been as high as in places like the United States.
1: I guess the, the, um, the corollary of that would be the question, do you, do you think our reaction in North America, the United States, would have been different then if this primarily affected kids?
2: Oh, I think, I think it's certainly the case. If there were 200,000 15-year-olds dying, uh, I think we would have had a very different approach to the pandemic. The whole country would have really shut down in that case. Uh, the, the, one of the big factors, uh, the big psychological factors, is this idea of compassion fade. That as soon as it's more than just one person, we start becoming empathically numb to the situation. So that our, our empathy is, is innumerate in this sense. Um, once it's 200,000 people, we stop caring. But when you move from just one person to 10 people, we care less um, already. And uh, that's playing a, an enormous factor. But I think that the demographics of the people who are dying as well is playing a big factor. So not just... The age aspect, but the race aspect, the socioeconomic status aspect.
1: Would it? Would we still suffer from compassion fade if all the victims were younger?
2: No, we would still we would still suffer for it. So, a classic example was done by an old colleague of mine, Paul Slovic, uh, where he looked at how much people would be willing to allocate to a poor child uh, who was starving um, in an African country, Uh, and people would allocate so much X amount of money. And then in a different condition, they'd say two people, her and her, her brother. And the, the total amount that people were willing to allocate would go down, not the number per person, but the total amount when there's two people was less. And those were children. Uh, so, so certainly it's the fact that we, wow. we experience compassion fade very powerfully. Uh, and we would, even if it was young people, but all of these aspects are kind of diminishing our empathy. And they kind of make an argument that relying on these kind of biased emotions that we have is probably not the best way to organize our response. Large numbers are not good for empathy. People who are far away from us is not good for generating empathy. People who are different from us. The elderly people, these are not, these are not the, the circumstances in which our empathy is going to be pulled very much, but they're still circumstances in which we have to do something.
1: What what does this mean, do you think, in terms of what we should be doing? As a a journalist who tells these stories, is it worthwhile to try and get people to empathize more? Is that the right strategy then?
2: I think what, what you and a lot of journalists are doing in terms of humanizing the single stories is effective because those are the stories that we pay attention to. The things that have moved me most are hearing about two things, either young people... Uh, which, as we know, is much less frequent, but young people dying from and, and especially actually suffering. you know when you see a Twitter thread of somebody who's talking about their own experiences and listing the enormous plethora wow. of symptoms that they've had that that hits me more than say looking at the ticker number just move up and so humanizing stories of people who are similar to the to your listeners is is an effective way of uh, making people pay attention but I don't think we should rely on people's empathy to be what motivates them to act in accordance with, say, social distancing rules or mask wearing. It, it seems like that's something that we have to think about abstractly uh, and maybe use other level, other levers, psychological levers that we have to motivate people to do that. So social norms is a big thing. Just making them rules uh, making them things that you don't really have a choice. So you don't have to make a decision. How empathic do I feel about these people? Well, a four out of 10, so I'm not going to wear a mask. Don't give people the option to do that. Say, well, if you're in this circumstance, you wear a mask. If you're in this circumstance, you maybe don't have to. Uh, Make it clear to people so they don't have to be basing a decision on emotion. They base a decision on what's actually been analyzed by experts looking at the data to be uh, beneficial.
1: As Azeem pointed out, our overall response to the pandemic in the United States may have been different if it had been primarily children rather than the elderly who are most at risk. Let that settle in. Regardless, there is still so much we can do today to protect those who are most vulnerable to this virus. The numbers may feel abstract, and our empathy may be fading. But we must continue to wear a mask and practice physical distancing until many more people get vaccinated and until health officials determine we have dramatically reduced transmission. That is true empathy. That is true compassion. And I still believe we all have it within ourselves. The end of the pandemic is on the horizon and we can get there with far fewer deaths, far fewer hospitalizations if everyone plays their part. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.